So, last week, Psalm 8. I'm still pretty jazzed. Karen says, you sure screamed a lot last week. And the, the boys always ask Karen, why is he screaming? You know, why is he screaming? And, you know, you get to those big God texts and it just like, you know. So I thought I'd just preach it again. And uh, Karen talked me out of it. But, uh, O Yahweh, our Adonai, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. Amen? Yeah, I could preach that again. If we're born again, if we read our Bibles, if we know anything about church history or if we just look around, we know that the word of faith, and they even claim it, preachers are liars. We know the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is one of Satan's best cons. We know the bling-bling gospel is not only false, it's just way too small. I find it uninteresting. Blessings are wonderful. And God gives them in abundance. But what I want to say to you as we introduce Psalm 46 tonight is God is better. Amen? God is better than the blessing. God is better. Jesus Christ is better than any blessing you can imagine. He's better. He is better. A genuine encounter with Him. Um, your mind kind of moves past temporal blessings. It's not that we don't talk to God about these things. But at the end of the day, as John Piper says, oops. There he goes. God is the Gospel. Amen? God is the Gospel. What is He saying? Jesus Christ is our supreme pleasure and our highest joy. Right? Not health, wealth, and prosperity. Praise God if He gives it. But He may not give it to all of His children. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Just open it and read it. God is the Gospel. The believer gets God. I'm sorry, I'm not that interested in much else. And this is what this guy believes too. He told me last night. And he actually... Okay, here's something I've never done. He hugged John Piper, okay? This guy hugged John Piper. You can talk to him later about it. I've never done that. But the born-again soul understands. We want more of Jesus. God is the Gospel. He's the good news. He is there. He is awesome. He is compelling. He is beautiful. And He loves us. How can you not be excited about it? I love how Randy Alcorn, American pastor and author, says it. He says, if we listen to Jesus, we will never be the same. And then he says, nor will we ever want to be. Amen? If we've met the living God, everything's changed and we can't go back. I can't live for small stuff anymore. 
I can't just live for self-interest anymore. It's not enough. I must have more of Christ. And how do we obtain more of Christ? We talk about this all the time. There are many disciplines we could talk about. But I want to tell you the one that has meant the most in my life. It's actual obedience. Because when you obey the Lord, He meets you there. John 14, 21. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I will disclose myself to you. It's part of what Psalm 46 is to me as I studied it this week. Push the envelope of obedience. And we can. Why? We didn't read the text, did we? Mark. <laughs> we can. I have forgotten to read the text once again. We are in Psalm 46. That's what happens when you're 61. This stuff happens. Okay? We're in Psalm 46. God is our very present help. Amen? God is with us. He says it four times in the psalm. God says, I am with my people. So you can always push the envelope of obedience. If we get Psalm 8, the prosperity gospel is laughable to us. O Yahweh, our Adonai, how majestic is Your name in all the earth! Are you kidding me? You think I'm going to spend my time, most of my time, worrying about health, wealth, and prosperity? I want Christ. I want more of Christ. It's the heartbeat that flows all the way through the New Testament. And with respect to the prosperity gospel, Habakkuk, the Old Testament prophet, refutes it quite well. And then we'll go on. Listen to what he says. Habakkuk 3.17 and 18. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olives should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls. What's he saying? I am impoverished. This is what he's saying. He continues, Yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Amen? whether God blesses me or not, with temporal blessing. And He's so gracious, He does in, in copious amounts. But I, I need and want Him more. I need and want Him more. I hope that that would be your confession as well. And those of you who've read the New Testament, you understand Jesus said some pretty strong stuff to anybody who would go with him, right? <laughs> he says, if you're serious about coming with me, and if you want the scripture references, email me, I'll, I'll send them to you. I'm not going to give them all to you. He says, there's no looking back. Once you put your hand on the plow, there's no looking back. He said, to the people who are interested in walking with him, he said, you know, you need to count the cost, right? You need to count the cost. You need to be prepared to deny yourself. He says, you know, the world hates me. And if you walk with me, the world's going to hate you too. He says, the world persecutes me. And if you choose to walk with me, the world will persecute you too. And he said, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. And if you read the balance of the New Testament, we, we see that, that the true lover and follower of Jesus Christ will suffer afflictions and hardship and distresses and trials and difficulties, rejection, poverty, loss, pain, suffering, sorrow, sickness, tribulations, dangers, and martyrdom. 
for His name. It's what Jesus says. It's what the Holy, it's what the Holy Bible says. It's part of the deal. It happens. It happens. No matter how much you name it and claim it. And if we know our Bibles, we know God is doing something in each circumstance, whether it be a good day or a hard day. So why does anybody go with Him? Why does anybody follow Christ? Why would anyone be a Christian? Because we've seen Him, right? And He's awesome. And He's beautiful. He outshines everything else in the cosmos. Right? He is better than anything this life can give and He is better than anything death can take. It's the Philippians 1.21 thing. The Apostle Paul who suffered probably more than any of us in this room or all of us combined times ten will ever suffer. This man who took the Gospel to unreached areas. He said, my whole life is, is Christ. My whole life is Christ. So I'm going to ask you, you, you guys out there that claim to be Christians, is that true for you? Is your whole life Christ? My whole life is Christ. To live is Christ, he says. To die is what? It's just gain. If they kill me, it's gain. Right? Who can talk like that? You have to have a glimpse of Jesus Christ. Right? The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. As Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Yeah. The world doesn't get it. Only the born-again believers get it. The prosperity gospel folks, they don't get it. You know, they want to use God for stuff. They want to stroke God. He's their rabbit's foot. He's their lucky charm. Hey, I love a blessing as much as the next guy. But at the end of the day, give me Christ. Give me Christ. Give me Christ. Okay, no matter what it looks like, right? <laughs> no matter what it looks like, I want Christ. I want more of Him. So how do we get more of God? I've already mentioned that to you. There are many disciplines to talk about. But I always love to challenge the people I talk to to just get ear deep in obedience, right? Wherever God is challenging you in your life right now in obedience, push the envelope. So Jesus says sometimes it will be hard, sometimes it will be costly. So how do Christians obey when it looks like that? They look at the God that they love. Amen? It's what David says. Psalm 63.3 Oh Lord, Your loving kindness... Anybody know how that finishes? Your loving kindness is... It's better than life. Some of you don't know that yet. And I'm glad you're here tonight. Because I'm going to tell you it's true. And I'm going to challenge you to, to give the rest of your life discovering just how true that is, right? No more nominal Christianity for anybody in this room tonight. 
If any of us are guilty, no more. No more. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Did I say Jesus Christ is better than anything this life can give and Jesus Christ is better than anything death can take? Did I say that already? Do you believe it? Are you living like you believe it? Christians, Christians can radically obey Jesus Christ because He's the God of Psalm 99. That supreme, sovereign, reigning God before whom all the peoples of the earth tremble. We can joyfully follow Jesus. He's the, he's the, the almighty, galaxy-breathing God of Psalm 19. We can obey and walk radically with Jesus Christ. He's the I'm always chasing my people God of the 23rd Psalm. And I could go through the whole Psalter like that, right? But tonight, we're at Psalm 46. So I hope you have your Bibles. Um, hope you'll have them open. If, you're not, if you don't, maybe you have an electronic device, you can, you can follow along. Verse 1, Psalm 46. You tell me from the text, why can we obey Jesus Christ radically? Why can we obey Him with glad, reckless story? What, joy, what, what does the text say? So, just anybody. Anybody. God is our refuge and strength. Do you believe it? <laughs> you know, I, I meet a lot of folks and they're just always afraid. And I'm not saying I'm not afraid sometimes, but Psalm 46 is telling me what to do with my fear, right? Look at God. Look at King Jesus. God says, God is our refuge 50 times in the Psalms. In the NASB translation, 50 times. God wants to make sure you understand you can obey Him Every day you roll out of bed because He's your refuge. God is your refuge. Fifty times. And He's our strength. He is a very present help in trouble. So, it's what every go with Jesus disciple comes to understand in obedience, as I mentioned earlier. We have a God encounter. And I'm, I'm sure I could get some amazing testimonies from some of you. I could give you some. In obedience, God comes. In a new way. In a brand new way. I looked up the Hebrew here of these words translated refuge and strength and help. In verse 1, God is saying to you tonight, and He's saying to me, I am your refuge, I'm your shelter, I'm your hope, I'm your trust, I'm your protection, I am your safety. He says, I am your strength, I am your power, I am your might, I am your boldness. He says, I am your help, I am your assistance, I am your supply, I am your aid, I am your support, I am your relief. God says, I'm there for you. Every day you roll out of bed, I'm there for you. Do you believe it and are you incarnating it in the world? What an amazing, amazing promise. God is with us. And David, as you know, is so jazzed about this. I'm just going to give you a few 
a few uh, a few excerpts, okay, from a couple of psalms. Again, if you want the references, email me. I'll send them to you. David says, The Lord is my shield. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. He conceals me in His tabernacle. He hides me. He lifts me up on a rock. He's my hiding place. He preserves me. He surrounds me with songs of deliverance. I love that. He is my tower of strength. He is my rock of habitation. The young adults saw it Wednesday night. We're studying through... Some of the middle chapters of Isaiah, Isaiah 44, 8, God says, do not tremble and don't be afraid. I hope you hear me. I hope you hear what God's saying to you tonight. Do not tremble. Don't be afraid. Is there any God like me, he says? He says, I'm a rock. Capital R. I am a rock, he says. Right? It's a beautiful thing. This is a beautiful thing. God says, I'm your rock. You can do everything I call you to do. Everything. You don't need to leave one thing undone. Because I'm your refuge. I'm your help. I'm your strong tower. God says, I am your very present help. I, again, I couldn't help it. I'm a little bit of a nerd. I looked at the Hebrew again. Jesus is saying, I, I abundantly, I mightily, I exceedingly, I diligently and present in the trouble. Jesus says, in this life, you will have trouble. Jesus said it. That's what the Son of God said. I know prosperity preachers talk it a little different. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. And God says, I'll be there with you. I am a very present help in your trouble. What a beautiful, beautiful promise. It makes me think of the Malachi 3 thing we've been talking about the last several weeks. Malachi 3.3, God sits as a smelter and a purifier of silver. We've talked about this a couple of times. I'm quite enamored right now at this present moment with this image. God is sitting over the, the silver in the fire, right? And He never leaves it. He never leaves the silver in the fire. You in trouble? Are you in some kind of trouble because you've obeyed the Lord? It's not because uh, the Lord's not watching. He is watching. He's fixed on you. He'll not take His eye off you until He sees His image in the silver. Then He'll take you out. God is doing a beautiful thing in the Christian's life. He's bringing us into conformity with His Son. You say, Jim, it's been so hard, man. It's been so hard. Praise God. He's bringing you into conformity. It's sanctification, brother and sisters. It's sanctification. God is at work. God is at work. He is a very present help in times of trouble. Verse 2. Therefore, we talked about it, was it last week or the week before? There's always a therefore with God, right? There's always a therefore with God. There's always going to be a therefore with God. Anytime God reveals Himself, there's always a therefore in there for you, right? Let me just read the text. Therefore, well, you tell me. What does He say? I'm your refuge. I'm your help. Then what does He say to His children? What does He say? Anyone who would dare to follow Him, what does He say to them? Therefore what? Do not fear. Some of you have been afraid this week. Right? God says, I am with you. Always. Do not 
fear. Do not fear. Though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. I'm reading again verse 2. Psalm 46. Verse 3. Uh, though, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling. Pride. There's always a therefore, beloved. We, sh- we talked about one of my favorite therefores last week. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You know, you got, 11 th- you got 11 chapters of this breathtaking theology and then Paul turns the corner and he says, what are you going to do with it, right? Therefore, present your bodies as a living sacrifice which is your reasonable service of worship, Right? There's always a therefore. God reveals Himself and He reveals just how breathtakingly awesome He is and then He calls you to a response. It's just how He works. Another one of my favorite therefores, if you've been around very long, you know, is, is uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 also. You know, He, he shows us what faith really is um, in Hebrews 11. And then He says, that's how I want you to live. He says, therefore... Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, I want you to live like that. This is what the Lord says to us. And we can. We can, right? Because He is with us. God says, do not fear. If walking with me gets a little bit taxing or if it's mildly uncomfortable or if it's somewhat difficult, that's not what He says. What does the text say? What does the text say? If the whole world changes, don't fear. If the whole world ceases to exist as you know it, do not fear. I am God over it. Right? It's what he's saying. It's what he's saying right here. Though the earth should change, do not fear. I am the sovereign king of heaven and earth. Do not fear. As we talked about last week, Jesus Christ is the God who effortlessly speaks. And we've, if you weren't here last week, you missed the revelation. Um, um, I've historically, I always said 400 plus billion galaxies, but you know, uh, I, I keep reading and now the current estimate is 2 plus trillion galaxies. That's the current estimate. Your God speaks that into existence. We talked about it last week. That is what He does. That is finger play for Him. Right? The works of His fingers. God speaks and everything changes. Old Testament, New Testament. Right? God says, I am your refuge. I am your strength. I am a very present help. So I have to ask you, whatever you're afraid of tonight, I have, to, I have to challenge you as your pastor to give it to God. Don't give it to God and then run back and pick it up again. Give it to God. You say, well, Jim, it comes back to me. The fear, the fear comes. It comes. It comes in a cycle. Then every time it comes, you give it to God. You go to Psalm 46 and you go to your refuge and, and you give it to God. Right? This pleases God. It pleases God for you to give Him your worry. Jesus says, don't worry anymore. Stop it! It's wasted effort. It never helps anything. It never changes anything. Right? Stop it! Spend your time worshiping. Spend your time delighting in your refuge. Right? Instead of worrying about things you can't control. 
anyway. You know, there may be some reasons you don't want to obey Jesus, but I will tell you tonight, by the authority of the Word of God, fear cannot be one of them. Fear cannot be one of them. Fear is always an illegitimate argument in disobeying Jesus Christ. Psalm 135, 5 and 6. He says, I am, I am the Lord above all gods. I do whatever I please. Right? Isaiah 46, 10. My purpose will be established. I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Isaiah 14, 27. I am the Lord. None can frustrate my plans. No one can turn back my outstretched hand. So, I'm going to challenge you tonight. If you're afraid tonight, I'm going to call you to repent. Stop. Don't do it anymore. It doesn't please the Lord. And it's a waste of time anyway. Spend that time worshiping your refuge. God says, even if the whole world comes to an end, put down your fear and look at me. That's what he's saying here in these verses. You remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about that passage where Jesus comes to His men on the, on the water in the storm. Remember what He said? Anybody remember what Jesus said to His men? We talked about it. Take courage, right? It's what He's saying to you and what He's saying to me tonight through, through Psalm 46. Take courage. You can be My disciple. You can obey Me radically, extravagantly because... I am with you. I love uh, what David says in Psalm 56, 9-11. to This I know that God is for me in God whose word I praise in the Lord whose word I praise in God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Verses 4 and 5. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. What is this river? It's a picture, I think, of the life-giving resource of God. It's this picture in Revelation 22.1, the river of the water of life flowing from the throne of God. You may remember what Jesus says. Um, as he's preaching, he says, He who believes in me from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This God-initiated flow, it brings, did you notice, it brings gladness. It's the signature of the born-again heart. Gladness. Why did the man in Matthew 13.44, why did he sell all that he had and buy the, the field? Why did he do it? Because he felt like it was a religious obligation. Right? Why did he do it? What does the text say? From joy he did it. You know, you just can't kill the joy of a true believer. You can't do it. Paul's in prison and he writes the epistle of joy, right? <laughs> he could be, you know, executed at any moment. He's writing the epistle of joy. Philippians. You can't quash the joy of a true believer. Doesn't mean we don't cry. Doesn't mean we don't grieve and hurt and suffer, but ultimately, the joy that God gives cannot be extinguished. It cannot be 
touched. I want to challenge you. You know, we, we talked about Psalm 97 back in May, and the title of that sermon was Sovereignty and Gladness. And, 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 and the psalm says, The Lord reigns, be glad! Right? I think that's partly what he's saying here in 46. The Lord reigns. Your God reigns. Be glad, you righteous ones. Be glad. You're free to be righteous. You're free to do the works of God. You're free because He reigns. I loved that psalm. I loved that psalm. So, this holy dwelling place of the Most High in the New, Text, New Testament context, who is that? Who is the dwelling place? What is the dwelling place of the Most High? In, in, it's the church and the individual believer, right? I won't take you to the passages. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 3 uh, and, and 1 Corinthians 6. God is in our midst. He says it right here in verse 5. He says, I'm in your midst. I'm in the midst of her. She'll not be moved. My church will not be moved. The world may come to an end. The earth as you know it may change. But the church will stand. My church will stand because I'm the God of that church. Right? It's what the Lord says. Verses 6 and 7. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised His voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. The young adults saw this four, five, six weeks ago maybe now uh, in, in Isaiah chapter 40. What are the nations to God? Nothing. He says it. They're like a speck of dust. They're like a drop of water. He says they're nothing to me. They're nothing is what he says. And he says the, the nations make an uproar. This is just noise, right? It's noise compared to the purposes and providences of a sovereign God. So what happens when the galaxy breathing God raises His voice? What does the text say? When God raises His voice, what? The earth I couldn't help but think of Psalm 97. This is my last reference to Psalm 97 tonight, I think, um, that we studied back in May. Let me just read this, this text, these, these verses. I think you'll enjoy them. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Let the many islands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness surround Him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. Fire goes before Him and burns up His adversaries round about. His lightnings lit up the world. The earth saw and trembled. The mountains melted like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. Wow. And God reminds us, that He is God. Psalm 46.6 And then in verse 7, what does He say? He reminds us again, what? I am with you. I am your stronghold. This is the third time. I may have uh, sprinted past it in verse 5. God says, I'm in your midst. That was the second time. God says, I'm in your midst. Here's the third time. Verse 7, God says, I am with you. I am with My people. I am with my people. I am their stronghold. 
So, are you starting? Are you starting to buy in a little bit? Are you buying in? Are you buying in at all? Do you hear what God is saying to us tonight? There may be a lot of reasons you don't want to obey Jesus, but fear cannot be one of them. I just want to tell you, God's dealt with that. The only question is, have you dealt with that? God's already dealt with it. I'm God. Don't worry. That's His answer, right? So, I just want to lovingly ask if that's where you are with King Jesus. And then, verse 7, He mentions these hosts. Who are these guys? Who are the hosts? Who are they? We sang about it. He's the God of what? What kind of armies? Angel armies, right? Little cherubs with, with, with harps on clouds. He's talking about those guys, right? Is he talking about little baby angel cherubs? Is that what he's talking about? No! He's talking about these fearsome spiritual warriors. How many are there? We have no idea. We know there are at least 100 million. Daniel makes a reference to myriads of myriads. So there are at least 100 million. What are you worried about? <laughs> he commands the hosts. He commands the hosts, beloved. That's pretty big. Will you put down your fear? Will you? Will you put down your fear? Will you leave it right here in this building tonight? Just, just leave it right here. We'll sweep it up in the morning. Okay? You don't need to walk around with it. It doesn't do you any good. We'll sweep it up. In the morning, verses 8 and 9, Come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolation in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and He cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. What is God talking about? He's talking about His judgment. He's talking about His wrath. There, um, yeah, in verse 8, the desolation that He brings upon rebellious mankind. You know, you hear mockers in the last day, and Paul talks about this. You hear mockers who say, well, where, you know, where's His coming? We've been hearing about His coming. Where's His coming? He's not coming. And men mock about the judgment of God. You remember what uh, Peter tell, tells us in 2 Peter chapter 2. He's talking to false teachers who I've already referenced tonight. But he's talking to false teachers and he said, your judgment is coming. You don't think God will judge? He judged the angels. Right? He judged the angels. He judged Sodom and Gomorrah. And who else did He judge? It leaves my mind just now. He judged in Noah's day. The whole earth was destroyed apart from Noah and his family. God does judge. God will judge. It's just biblical truth, beloved. It's just biblical truth. And it's one thing that the psalmist is referring to. He will bring desolation upon the rebels. But what else does he say there in verse 9? What, what, what will King Jesus do? What else what will King Jesus do? He's going to bring peace. The UN can't do it. The president can't do it. The Pope can't do it. The potentates can't do it. The prime ministers can't do it. Nobody can do it. King Jesus will do it. He's coming. He's coming, and He He will do it. Verses 10 and 11. 
Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. I, okay, I own it. I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to the Bible. In my word study, I kept seeing one word over and over and over and over in this word study of this Hebrew word cease, translated cease. <laughs> you would never guess it probably. It's just so simple. It's the word relax. It doesn't, it, doesn't it beautifully dovetail off, don't worry, I'm your God? Relax! Right? Relax! God says, Stop worrying. Cease striving. Be still. Know who I am. Listen, beloved, if you get a biblical view of God, you are free. You are free to live above the fray. You just are. You know, I run into a lot of people in this business. And it just seems like some people like to worry. It's what they want to do. They want to worry. They prefer to worry. They prefer to be anxious. They prefer to be afraid. They prefer to lay their hands on their circumstance and try to work a deliverance for themselves. I'm not saying that's always wrong if you've heard from God, but if you haven't heard from God, you know, I've learned to be still and listen. Be still and get His mind on my circumstance. I don't rush off on my own until I hear from God. I stay at my post until I hear the word to go, right? Be still. Trust me. I know it looks like it's all going to hit the fan. Trust me. Be still. And when it's time, Jim, I'll tell you what I need for you to do. I couldn't help but think of King Jehoshaphat. I'm just about done. You guys know the story, right? It's one of my favorite Old Testament stories. I share it with you on occasion. I try not to share it too much, but maybe once or twice a year, maybe three times a year. Um, you know, Second Chronicles chapter 20, this great army's coming against Judah. Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he turns and he looks at God, and he cries out to God in prayer, and then God says this, Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude. The battle is not yours. Whose is it? God says it's mine, right? God says it's mine. You need not fight. Station yourself and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face your enemy. I am with you. Amen. I love that story. I love that. I know so many things I'd want to share, but I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to guard my time. Verse 10, our God is not just any God. <laughs> He is King Jesus who will be exalted among the nations in all the earth. Verse 10. In verse 11, there it is, the fourth time in this psalm. God says, I am with you. I am your stronghold. So what I want to say, don't bore me with the prosperity gospel. It's not interesting to me. What's interesting to me is King Jesus. That is who is interesting to me. I don't want to hear this other stuff, particularly because it doesn't come from Scripture. I don't want to hear this. I want, I want someone to teach and preach to me who's going to make me look at God 
Not look at myself. Not simply look at myself and my circumstance and my reflection in the mirror. I want to look at God. I want to be changed. I want to invest every single day I have on this planet. I want to be a good steward. Beloved, it matters every day you wake up. You call yourself a Christian. It matters every day you wake up. I go back to Josh shamelessly promoting his birthday. But he made me stop and think for a minute. Today is a gift from God. Amen? It's a gift from God. Every day is a gift from God. God is the Gospel. He is the good news. He is there. He is awesome. He is compelling. He is beautiful. And He loves you. Beloved, I'm just trying to free you up, right? Karen says, why do you keep preaching the Psalms? I'm just trying to free you and me up. The more you look at God, the freer you will be. Oh Yahweh, our Adonai, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. He is our refuge, our strength, our help. He is present. He is in our midst. He is with us. He is our stronghold. And I'm going to end with one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Daniel 11.32 The people that do know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Because Jesus is better than anything this life can give. And Jesus is better than anything death can take. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank You for Psalm 46. I thank You for the truth of it. I thank You for the freedom of it. I thank You for the joy of it. I thank You for the power of it. I thank You that You've called us out of fear and into radical obedience. It will be new for some. But, oh Lord, I know You will meet them there. I know You will fill their heart and soul with joy they have never experienced. So Lord, I pray each one of us in this room that we would go on. We would go on with You. For indeed, You are better. You are better than anything this life can give. And You are better than anything death can take. We love You, Lord Jesus. Thank You for this Word. Bring it home and make it real in our hearts, we pray. It's in Your mighty and matchless name. Amen.